Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Well, we found out yesterday that the U.S. Food and Drug Administration is revoking the standard of identity for French dressing. Thank goodness. It's in response to a citizen petition from the Association for Dressings and Sauces. And I, am I not a member of the Association for Dressings and Sauces? Because I'll tell you why, because most of that stuff is bougie stuff anyway. But uh, petitioners shared information documenting that the standard is outdated. So in 2020, the end of last year, the, oh no, two years ago now, what am I thinking? It's 2022. The agency issued a proposed rule and is now finalizing the rule based in part on its conclusion that revoking the standard will allow for greater innovation and more flexibility of products on the market. And that's what we need in French dressing is greater innovation and more flexibility of products on the market. I, we need that with French dressing desperately. And I am happy, overjoyed with happiness that it's finally taken shape. Welcome, welcome to Chewing the Fat. I didn't realize that people were so wound up about French dressing and other dressings. I mean, most of it is nastiness anyway but uh (laughs) it appears that uh, consumers appear to expect french dressing to have certain characteristics not required by the standard such as containing tomatoes or tomato derived ingredients Uh, uh whatever all right fine i mean the fda and cosmetic act the federal food drug and cosmetic act protect consumers from adulteration and misbranding of products. Foods with standards of identity that have been established include bread, certain cheeses, fruits, jams, certain vegetables, fruit juices, and certain types of chocolate. The standard of identity for French dressing characterized it as containing oil, acidifying and seasoning ingredients, and allowed additional safe and suitable ingredients. But, you know, I guess some people expected it to have tomatoes and other stuff. So anyway, they're revoking the standard of identity, which is great. And then I see where there's a story about the recall of baked goods in Kroger. Now we talked about this uh, on an earlier episode of Chewing the Fat, where they had the uh, desserts country oven brands being recalled. But in this story, it Also, at the bottom, talks about more recalls to worry about. Now, you know, again, we talked about the, you know, the cinnamon rolls and four ounce and two and a half ounce packages, white cake, chocolate cake, white vanilla cake, yellow vanilla cake, and the list goes on of these country oven brand uh, desserts that need to be recalled, that are recalled. And they were items that were sold in, you know, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Illinois, Indiana, Missouri, Ohio, Kentucky, West Virginia, Tennessee, Mississippi, Arkansas, Nebraska, Kansas, California, Oregon, Arkansas, Washington, Idaho, Colorado, Louisiana, Montana, New Mexico, Nevada, Texas, Wisconsin, Wyoming, Virginia, and Utah. Just those states, though. But at the bottom of the story, it talks about more recalls to worry about. And the list is incredible. We talked about the massive salad recall that for uh, Dole and Kroger and more brands, there was an urgent meat recall of 234,000 pounds. 
we have new frozen veggie recall issued because people were, I guess, breaking their teeth. Uh, we have a 28,000 pounds of meat. We talked about that uh, across seven states with recall. Urgent target recall. People were getting sliced open by this recalled product. I'm not sure what they were opening up. Hold on. There were some 174,300 bullseyes playground metal mailbox units nationwide. And they have been recalled because people are slicing themselves open while opening the product. You have the bagged, another bagged salad recall. And you have the Costco and ShopRite recall desserts. I remember talking about that. And we also have an urgent supplement recall caused by exploding bottles. That can't be good. So <laughs> apparently there's a Candida flush herb supplement from Mountain Meadow Herbs. And so there's no contamination issue. It's just that the bottles are prone to becoming pressurized during storage. And as a result, opening impacted bottles can pose a danger to the users. So the product, I guess, forcefully expels air as well as portions of the capsules and powder, which could result in, you know, you and me sustaining injuries to our hands and eyes and, you know, requiring medical attention if we open up the bottle of Candida Flush Herb Supplements. So if you are a Candida Flush Herb Supplement from Mountain Meadow Herbs user, be careful. Be careful because that bottle could explode in your face. All right, I want to do a story around the Rust shooting and death uh, on the movie set of Rust, but we need to revisit some rules because I did the story of uh, the star of that movie and I recorded his Instagram uh, account the other day and he talked about how he, you know, all the stories of him not following uh, the rules and complying with the investigation were all BS. And we come to find out that eh, it really isn't BS. It really isn't BS at all. Although he did give a, you know, his uh, disclaimer of we've got, they've got to follow the rules of evidence and they have to request this. They can't just get everything that they, you know, they can't just get everything. They have to be specific of what they need from his phone. And when I say his, I'm talking about the star of the movie Rust. Now, the rules on this show have been that when I say I want to postpone the rules for a moment, okay, because I want to, we need a new set of rules. <laughs> I got a little carried away the other day. Uh, so the rules had been when I say his name, Alec Baldwin, that a gunshot would go off. All right. But the other day I started saying just Alec and the gunshot went off. So we need to revisit some of the rules here on Chewing the Fat. Okay. So if I screw up and say that the full name, Alec Baldwin, you're going to hear this. If I say Alec, you'll hear this. And it's just a reminder of the horrific situation on the set of Rust when Mr. Baldwin uh, shot Helena Hutchins. And well, he shot two people, but he, you know, Helena Hutchins died from the shooting as from the scene. And he is you know, obviously denied that he was not at fault. And he even said in an interview that he didn't pull the trigger. 
okay, it was a magic gun, I guess. But uh, apparently he has not turned over his cell phone or other information that was, you know, given to him through a search warrant that they issued it. They want it. And he insisted he's complying, but he's complying through the, you know, through law, right? I mean, he's saying, Hey, I want to turn it over to you, but you can't just get everything. I'd be more specific. He talked about love letters to his wife. Uh huh. And, uh, other photos on the phone that, uh, you know, he doesn't want anyone to see. Uh huh. So, I mean, the question is, you know, why? Well, He's Alec Baldwin. I mean, he isn't really lying, but he is. You know, he just wants to have both sides of the both sides of the bread buttered. Is that a, yeah, that's that's what it is. He wants both sides of the bread buttered. I just I I I kind of I'm on his side, and I hate that I'm on his side. But we've talked about it before about how you know we all want to be in compliance with police officers and the horrific things that go on in life. But we do have rules and regulations to follow with the law. And while he can still say that he's complying and anyone that says I'm not complying is full of crap and I'm doing exactly what it is. Well, it's kind of true. I mean, he's following the rules and regulations, but he isn't just, you know, handing over everything. And, you know, that's, you know, I get it. I get it. And that makes me want to, you know, I'm with you, Alec. It just does make one wonder. I wonder what he's hiding. I mean, that's the whole thing, right? We see it on TV shows all the time. We talk about where the police say, you know, you have to let us in. Do you have a warrant? No. Well, if you ask for a warrant, it makes you look guilty. Well, okay. So what? (laughs) So it makes me look guilty. Get a warrant. Follow the law. But I mean, you want to be helpful, but I mean, the police are supposed to follow the law too, right? And I guess they're supposed to follow the law even for Alec. Yes, even Alec Baldwin. So we'll find out uh, in the future what happens. I know that, uh, you know, look, they're supposed to, you know, the point is, is to protect his privacy and yours if you were ever caught up in something as horrific as this in matters unrelated to the actual case that's being investigated. So, you know, I know that they, you know, are, they're using their, well, we're finalizing uh, logistics uh, with authorities and authorities from New York and Arizona are assisting in this matter. So that's, you know, to have Alec, you know, come out and record his video and say that it's all BS and it's a lie. That's just him being, you know, off or on his meds. <laughs> this is, I mean, that's what we've become used to with Mr. Baldwin. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. Oh. Oh my gosh. That was so good. Oh, cold feels so good. I will say that uh, I feel like I'm completely over the uh, COVID-19 positive testing, although I have not tested negative yet, but I haven't taken the test. But I feel like I'm negative. And my wife, who tested positive and who has not tested negative yet, uh, seems to be over it too. So it's a couple days 
of the Omicron. And then, you know, you can move on with your life. I've got to find a a test to test me negative. So it's official, but uh, it's official. Although I will say I today, you know, has been, uh, well, six days. Right, so it's today is Fat Pile Friday. So I started uh, getting sick late last Friday night uh, into Saturday. So it was a couple days there, and tested positive on Saturday uh, for COVID. The uh, I still like today. I could have slept forever, and that's really unlike me. I mean, I, 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 I yes, we all need sleep. I get it, and you know, we have a schedule. But my schedule is, you know, I'm up and. I'm moving around and doing stuff every day. I'm bright and early and, uh, you know, bright and early, like before bright and early, actually dark and early. And uh, boy, today I just, I couldn't, <laughs> I could have slept all day long. I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a side effect of Omicron or if it's just, you know, me being, you know, enough is enough. And how about you get some sleep? I don't know, but it's sure. It feels like uh, that's uh, some sort of, I, I don't know if that's Omicron long haul because it's only been a week, but I definitely feel like I could lay down and go to sleep at a moment's notice. And I do not like that. I do not like that at all. Okay. So for those of you that follow me on uh, social media, Twitter at JeffyJFR, Facebook, Jeff Fisher Radio, Instagram, Jeff Fisher Radio, uh, Getter at JeffyJFR. You follow me on YouTube, uh, chewing the fat at theblaze.com. You uh, saw that I posted yesterday this uh, Zupranos video. It is awesome. I, I hate that the story itself apparently started with Stephen Colbert because he is just, well, not funny, but he's the guy. So he showed this video and I remember seeing the video a week or so ago, a couple weeks ago of the orangutan driving the golf cart. Right. And it's really Colbert, I guess, joked around that the orangutan was in Florida because we have to make the joke, uh, golf carts in Florida, <laughs> but apparently it's a part of a menagerie in Dubai belonging to uh, Sheikha Fatma Rashad al-Maktoum, the daughter of Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid al-Maktoum, the prime minister of the United Arab Emirates. And the orangutan is named Rambo and has been driving various vehicles since he was young. But the this YouTuber, genius, uh, Smellford Dip, uh, noticed that, hey, it's you know, one-hand driving technique and he thought, man, that looks like Tony Soprano. <laughs> and the opening scene of The Sopranos. So he edited the video together with The Sopranos theme. All right, I won't play the whole thing because I'll just want to watch The Sopranos all over again. (laughs) 
but it's from you know the alabama 3a 3r whatever they go by uh woke up this morning and you know that theme for the sopranos and it's just awesome and it just makes me want to watch the sopranos but what it was a genius video uh using the orangutan driving around the golf cart with the sopranos open so if you didn't get a chance to see that yet oh watch it it's funny and speaking of uh, great songs, I see where Baby Shark Dance, you expected me to play it there, didn't you? No, I won't. I promise I won't. I cannot take, I don't want to hear it again. But I see where Baby Shark Dance, <laughs> thought I was going to play it, didn't you? No, I told you, I won't. I promise. Uh, Baby Shark Dance hit 10 billion views on YouTube. 10 billion Oh man, that is just uh that's a milestone. That's a milestone. Congratulations. I feel like we gave them this award already, but you know, now they've you know they've it's official. Ten billion views on YouTube. I was looking at the list of billions of views on YouTube, like the top thirty. And you know, at thirty is three point three billion. Well, they're tied uh with Shakira and Jay Balvin uh for three point zero three billion views ed sheeran's got three in the top 30 uh three billion three point three nine billion five point five eight billion for our shape of you uh despacito Luis fonse has seven point seven zero billion views on youtube that's number two behind baby shark gotta feel good about yourself all these artists have got to be feel really good about themselves because they're coming in behind baby shark but uh, congratulations for 10 billion views thought i was gonna play it there didn't you i want to but i promised i wouldn't hey speaking to me as long as we're talking about music i see where the uh, bonnaroo music and arts festival is gonna return thank goodness <laughs> i mean it's been canceled for two years so that's gonna return june 16th and 19th will it Will it return? Uh, they're just, you know, they're going to adver they advertise that they're going to return. So good. You're going to headline with Jay Cole and Tool and Stevie Nicks and my favorite, more. And we also have the new 2022 Coachella Valley Music Festival and Arts. No, I guess it's the official title is the Coachella Valley Music and Arts Festival. Okay. It's 2022. Billie Eilish, Kanye West. Is going to be there. So, uh, boy, that'll be great when uh, when that happens. When is uh, Coachella actually supposed to happen? In April. So, the 2022 Coachella is uh, currently set for April 15th, 16th, and 17th. And then again, April 22nd, 23rd, and 24th at the Empire Polo Grounds in Indio, California. So, we'll see how that goes. I mean, this will be, it should be one of the big first ones, right? Since uh, the Travis Scott debacle in Houston. So, we'll see what happens when all of these people get together for a giant concert. Should be fun. Oh, and I see where uh, Ricky Gervais' uh, Afterlife Season 3 is uh, available on Netflix today. Starting today. If you're listening live, it is the 14th of January 2022. So that should be uh, you know a good watch for the weekend. I see where Netflix also is uh, doing a documentary series that's going to follow the PGA Tour from... Uh, okay. Man, I, I, I got to tell you, I am not 
I, I don't dislike the Professional Golf Association, but I hope that we can make the documentary something more than, I mean, if we're going to use an orangutan driving around on a golf cart, maybe, but the PGA is against golf carts anyway. <laughs> so we're probably not going to get that. I'm not real sure. I mean, it may or may not be good. Who knows? But I don't know that I'm excited about seeing a documentary on the PGA Tour. And he goes for the driver. No, no, he's using his wedge. It doesn't sound like it could be that interesting, but what do I know? I mean, I used to golf all the time. Uh, when I, you know, hundred years ago, I used to golf a lot. I, my, my, my dad was uh, golf, used to golf in these golf leagues. And when I was a little kid, he got me while he was golfing in the league. I took lessons from the pros at the, at the clubs. And so, I mean, I, I can golf. I, I'm a, you know, a, an athlete, uh, golfing, but I, you know, after I got my club stolen and then I was just like, it wasn't worth my time to golf anymore. And I still have my special putter though. Uh, I don't know if we've talked about this. I, I feel like I've talked about it a long time ago, but I still have my putter that my dad won in a tournament, you know, a thousand years ago from Ballpark Franks. It was a, you know, Ballpark Frank tournament at the, the golf club and at the, at the club. And uh, he won a putter, which is a, you know, the putter is a fork at the bottom with half a hot dog as your putter. It's my ballpark Frank putter. I will not lose at the putt-putt golf course with my ballpark Frank putter. Okay? Uh, if I go there and I don't have my putter, you might have a chance. But if you are taking me on and I pull out my ballpark Frank putter, <laughs> that's right, my friends. If I pull that out of the trunk, you are going down. All right? Not even the windmill can stop me. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. We have been invaded. The crisis is being used by Republicans as a photo op by the Democrats to expand their voting base. More than 85% of everybody reaching the border is coming in. That's the definition of an open border. Just down the road, you can get in no problem, no Humvees, no armed guards. What people don't realize is there's a way around everything. The Blaze Originals team traveled to the Texas border, ground zero of the most controversial news story of 2024. With some experts estimating over 4 million border crossings in 2023 alone, we embedded with the Take Our Border Back convoy to investigate. What if the entire narrative you thought you knew was a lie? Go watch the real story of Texas versus the feds and how the elites use the border crisis against us by visiting realbordercrisis.com and use code TEXAS for $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV. So how much do you pay your dog walker? So I was looking at this, <laughs> the best cities to walk your dog. Uh, I was, yes, I was looking at it. It's what I do. And uh, in this story, it talks about the uh, average dog walker rate. $12.40 an hour. All right. 
the highest maximum rate was $85.51 an hour. To walk a dog or to walk dogs, plural, uh, I could do that for 85 bucks an hour. Yeah, uh, I, I, my kids are going to start becoming dog walkers. That's what's going to happen. Now, if you live in Honolulu, Rochester, New York, Salt Lake City, uh, they are not on the list. They didn't make the list. Well, it's because the data was lacking for the list. But according to this, uh, here at, uh, you know, lawnstarter.com, uh, they are still nonetheless good cities for dog walking. I, uh, I was looking, <laughs> I know, I know. Now it's kind of jaded. I'm not really sure. I, I can appreciate the list because, okay. They compared 170 of the biggest U S cities based on their walkability, pup friendly trail access services, and safety. All right. So the number one city overall on dog walking, Portland, Oregon. I mean, are we I really, I mean, we've seen what happened in Portland the last couple of years. Uh, I don't know that I want to be out walking my dog. And number two, San Francisco. No, uh, maybe it's number two because you're able to just go number two and not worry about it. Oakland, California. Another place that doesn't seem the safest place to be able to walk a dog. That's just me, though. I know. Las Vegas, number four. You're walking a dog in the desert? That's the, they got the best places to walk your dog? Okay. All right. Number five, Boise. Boise's beautiful. I do love Boise, Idaho. Uh, I could, I could actually live in Boise, Idaho. Uh, no question about that. We, when we traveled there, we went there for a long weekend and I fell in love. I didn't realize how pretty a city it was and big parks and everything was really nice. It's not a surprise that it's on the list. Uh, and then, you know, LA, New York, Washington, DC, Colorado Springs, Jersey city. Those are the top Jersey city. Ugh. Best walking your dogs. Okay. All right, fine. So I guess it's because Portland has the most dog friendly trails. Uh, and then you have Phoenix and, and uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah, those aren't dog-friendly trails. Those are sell-your-meth trails in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hey, just most dog walkers per 100,000 residents, Orlando, Florida, Miami, Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Then you have Las Vegas and Springfield, Missouri. Weird, Springfield, Missouri. So apparently... I mean, you could make the argument that there are plenty of people in Orlando, Miami, and Fort Lauderdale that are aged. Let's just call them aged and have animals and don't want to walk their dogs. So they pay people to walk their dogs. Paying 85 bucks an hour to walk your dog? Like, I mean, I want to do that. Fewest pedestrian fatalities. I mean, Frisco, Texas, Glendale. I mean, it's just... It's, Best cities to walk your dog. It's all just, that's uh, all. I'm just, seven of the top 10 cities are located in the West. And uh, I guess they, you know, offer easy access to dog parks and dog friendly parks. I got, I went through all this. I went through all this just because I couldn't believe that someone is paying $85 and 51 cents an hour to walk their dog 
Will you walk my dog for 85 bucks an hour? There's a number of jokes in that question, and you can write them yourself. And just so we, you know, cover it full circle, I gave you the top cities. I'll give you the bottom cities of the best cities to walk your dog. Uh, At the bottom of the list, Jackson, Mississippi. Then Wichita, Kansas, Port St. Lucie, Florida, Garland, Texas, Memphis, Tennessee, Montgomery, Alabama, Macon, Georgia, Fayetteville, North Carolina, Laredo, Texas, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Those are the, and Detroit, Michigan, uh, sneaking in there down to the bottom for the best places or worst places to walk your dog. I mean, you could probably make some, I don't know if it's a bad city to walk your dog. Do you make more money walking it or less money? Yeah. Not sure. I mean, I'm charging a lot to walk your dog in Oakland. <laughs> Let's just be clear about that. And Portland's number one, too. You're paying me some extra cash to walk around Portland with your dog. No question. God, there's so many jokes in there. All right, I'll stop with the walking the dog jokes. Did you see where, uh, I don't even know if this story is real or not, but it's a fascinating social media story. Uh, a Chinese woman identified as Ms. Wang has been stuck, according to her, with her date since January 5th after the neighborhood they were in was locked down. So the guy, uh, they were going out on a blind date. They were out on a date. Neighborhood got locked down. Nobody goes anywhere. So they've been together since then. Apparently, she claims that the guy is not much of a conversationalist. His food is mediocre, but he's still willing to cook, which I think is great. So she's being interviewed about it. And she said that uh, besides the fact that he's as mute as a wooden mannequin, everything else about him is pretty good. (laughs) So, I mean, okay. They'll keep me up to date on your blind date that, you know, you got stuck with each other. No problems. Kind of a cute little story. You know, Speaking of social media, Charlie D'Amelio, TikToker, $17.5 million last year. TikToker, $17.5 million last year. That's not a bad business model. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. So if you, you know, if you've got the, got the cojones and you don't want to be a, you know, $85 an hour dog walker, you can go ahead and start uh, posting on TikTok and earn some cash. Just get the views, baby. Get the clicks. $17.5 million for Charlie D'Amelio. Now, Forbes claims that uh, celebrities collectively were paid $55.5 million in 2021 on TikTok, which is you know a huge increase. No question. Now, the uh, Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio, uh, apparently are like the Kardashians of TikTok. So, and I, I'm, I apologize for not knowing them and I wish I, I know them and I will now, although I'm not a big TikToker, which is, uh, you know, maybe I need to start being a TikToker, but I am not. So I, you know, I, I, I can say that I'm not aware of all the huge TikTok stars, although I am aware of some of them. But when you're talking about making 17 million a year, posting on a, a whatever social media account. That's pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet. So if you can get anywhere between, you know, 
I don't know, 10 bucks and $17 million on a social media account. Good for you. Good for you. I would bet that everyone hopes that they're going to be the 17 point whatever million dollar earner rather than the $10 earner. But, you know, at least you made something, right? So I see where uh, Elvis Presley's uh, one Cadillac is up for sale at an auction uh, through uh, through this coming weekend, I believe. The uh, It's uh, showing on the Car and Classic website uh, through tomorrow, which would be the 15th of January, 2022. It's looking like the bid at the time of this story was only $12,774. So if someone would like to bid on the Fleetwood Brome <laughs> pastel yellow caddy, and give it to moi, uh, I would be very grateful. It looks really cool. I would love to have a 1975 Cadillac Fleetwood Brome that belonged to the king himself, man. That would be awesome. No doubt about it, man. It's a beautiful big old caddy. (laughs) It's got an 8.2 liter V8, 190 horses, 360 feet, pounds of twist. I mean, come on now. And it's only got 1,700 miles on it. It's had four owners. It's awesome. I mean, apparently, so the doctor to whom Presley gave the car sold it in 1985, who sold it years later, and then he bought it back again. So it's up for sale, 75 Fleetwood Brome, yellow or pastel, whatever you want to call it. It is awesome. You're probably getting, what, 10 to 12 miles to the gallon on this bad boy? (laughs) And the one thing I love about it is they made a big deal out of it having the one Elvis Tennessee plate. Uh, I have one of those. I drove a car for a long time in my life with one Elvis plate on the front of it. I know it was, it wasn't a Cadillac though. It was a Thunderbird, but I had a 70, I think it was a 70. I don't remember the year, uh, Thunderbird that I drove long. It was white. It was long, the long Thunderbird hood, two door. Awesome. I love that car. I had the one Elvis plate on it for a long time. That's my one Elvis car. And somewhere in my, uh, you know, house of hoarded goods, I have my one Elvis plate still love that. So anyway, if you're looking for something to do with, you know, 12 or $13,000, if you're a TikToker, you made some extra cash this year and you're thinking, you know, we should buy Jeffy chewing the fat, uh, the King's 75 Cadillac Fleetwood Brome. That would be awesome. I would love you for that. I see where Ronnie Spector died too. Oh wait, that's supposed to be under who died today. Ronnie Spector. I know singing, uh, you know, from the, uh, the Ronettes man. It's huge rock and roll hall of fame group. Uh, also, uh, you know, producing from Phil Spector and, uh, the wall of sound. And they were great at the time. They were huge, man. There's no doubt about that. They released their debut album in 1964. Five of the 12 tracks made the charts. 
I mean, they were on top of the world, man. They toured with the the Beatles. I think they toured with the Stones. They were incredible. So she passed away anyway. So that's who died today. I see there's another person that died, although not today. Uh, actually, it was the oldest human fossil they just found. It's a lot older than they thought. They think, yeah, you know, it was, uh, we found it in Africa, in Ethiopia, southwestern Ethiopia. And we figured it was really old. And I believe that was the quote that they had. It was really old. Um, but uh, right now they're talking about, I think they said that they previously was uh, 233,000 years ago. And now they're thinking that it was older than that. So it's, she's been around for quite a while. The uh, Omo One fossil. Pretty, uh, you can quote me on that. She's been around a long time. So she didn't actually die today. But she is the oldest known example of a Homo sapien. Pretty incredible. You know who else has been around a long time? The cockroach. And I see where a New Zealand man had one of those. Yes, a cockroach wriggling in his ear for three days. Three days. You know, we hear these stories all the time. And I say all the time. Frequently, we hear stories about people who have bugs crawl in their ears. But this man discovered a cockroach had been living in his ear for three days. All right. So I guess he fell asleep on a couch and the roach crawled into his ear. And then he was like, man, something is going on. There's something in my ear. I don't know what's happening. So he goes to the dock and the dock says, ah, there's no cockroach in there. What are you talking about? It's just dead skin cells. And so she syringed his ear and prescribed antibiotics and told it's probably going to go away in your own way. But if you, it's clear now. So if you use a hair dryer, that should heat up the excess water of anything that's in there and it should be fine. He did that for two days. And then he realized, man, something is not right. It's just, there's something in there. So he went to another doctor. He goes to an ear doctor and the ear doctor says, yeah, that's a, that's a cockroach in there. I'm just going to get the tweezers and pull this thing out. Oh, didn't get it all. Oh, let me use this suction device here. And uh, pull. (laughs) And he hears his eardrum pop and the roach was finally removed. Oh, that means he was cooking that cockroach with the blow dryer for a couple of days in his ear. Oh, man. And now, so now it, uh, you know, He's cleared, and he can't believe that it happened. He's an arborist in New Zealand, so he regularly protests the removal of native trees. So he, you know, apparently lived in trees for, you know, days at a time without any incident. And for him, he was laughing about this actually happening on his couch rather than up in a tree somewhere. But uh, (laughs) would you go around to that doctor again? Hey, doc, you know, you told me there wasn't a roach in my ear. Guess what? There was. I was in there for days. Remember about a few years ago, we talked about the the guy who uh, had a roach lay eggs in his ears. 
I know. I know. Ugh, it's just, apparently that roach went in there and burrowed in and stayed there for a few days. Nasty. <laughs> uh, I get it. Even in this story, you know, it's fairly common for insects to get stuck in one's ears. Is it? Okay. All right. Apparently, you know, the ear docs have seen, you know, all kinds of stuff crawl into ears. I get you. But I don't know how common it is. I mean, I guess, you know, little kids have gotten ticks in their ears and stuff like that. But that's not a cockroach crawling into your ear. Okay. I've had one crawl across me. And I mean, you are awake and focused at that point. Yeah, I was in... uh, Columbia, South Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina. And I was laying in that hotel room and I felt that cockroach crawl across my chest. And I moved every coffee table, chair, and hunted that bastard down and put a size 13 shoe on top of that son of a gun. I mean, uh, there was no way that that thing was going to survive. There was, I'm sure there's plenty of more cockroaches in Columbia, South Carolina. Believe me, it's a cockroach haven, but not in that room, not the rest of that night. No, now I'm telling you, that's a, that's an awakening moment. So I can imagine how frustrating and weird it must feel to have a roach in your ear and deep inside your ear and not being able to, I mean, that's an itch you can't scratch. Oh. Should be a title of something for that. An itch you can't scratch. I mean, I holy cow. Just do whatever you got to do. Right? You just go crazy. Do whatever you got to do. Just stick whatever thing you got to stick in there and pull it out. How many times have I told that before? You know, and sure, everybody's going to get COVID-19. I'm sure everyone is going to get Omicron. And we're going to, you know, hopefully it's going to be more like a you know, a cold than anything. So it's going to be an endemic, not a pandemic illness, which is good. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about that. And I see where the White House said they're sending 10 million COVID-19 tests for schools a month. That's great. Maybe they can get them because I can't find them anywhere for home tests. But hey, you know, it's going to be free. <laughs> uh, you're not going to be able to get them, but it's going to be free. I get it. I get it. I know all that's going on. And it's horrible. And I get it. I'm still, you know, technically I'm positive. I have not tested negative yet. Uh, Hopefully I'm going to have that happen uh, very soon. But the good news is in all of this, I see where we have a, our first 57 year old patient. And by the way, I got to say, the guy looks, okay, we'll just stop for a second. Let me tell you the story. All right. The story is that a 57 year old patient with terminal heart disease, received a successful transplant of a genetically modified pig heart and is still doing well. I mean, that is great. They did it in Maryland. I feel like that should have happened already, but uh, the organ transplant demonstrated for the first time that a genetically modified animal heart can function like a human heart without immediate rejection by the body. So this David Bennett, a Maryland resident, is you know obviously being monitored, and you know we're going to see how it goes with the new pig heart. Now I will say 
that uh, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration granted emergency authorization for the surgery on New Year's Eve, though it's expanded uh, through its expanded access through the compassionate use provision. Yeah, if I'm going to die and you have a way to maybe save me, I should be able to choose whether I want whatever kind of animal heart I want in me. Okay, if it's going to save me, put it in. But let me just say this. As I'm looking at this picture of Mr. Bennett, uh, good for him, and I'm you know I'm, I'm happy for him, but he does not look 57. He looks really, really old. And those of you listening that think 57 is really old, I know, I, I understand. I get it. It's all relative. But I guess if you need, if you're in need of a pig heart, your body's been through quite a bit, so it's getting beat up. But he does not look 57. He looks more like eh, 87. He looks more like 87. How old is our president? Because our president is, what is he, 79, 80? Uh, he looks uh, looked really bad. I mean, I saw him. I watched his little speech when he was talking about everyone get vaccinated. And he's telling social media platforms to crack down. Yeah, misinformation. You be sure to crack down on free speech. But this is America. We love America. But you be sure to crack down on free speech. We don't want people to be able to say what they what they want to say. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he looked really, really old. And I know that's not supposed to be new, but it does not look good for our president. I'll tell you that. And as far as social media companies cracking down, they seem to be uh, following uh, following your suit, Mr. President. Ugh. All right, I got to get out of here. I got to go find a test so I can test negative. Plus, we've got, I mean, I got all kinds of stuff to watch. We have, uh, we've got Afterlife. We've got to catch that. We've got a new 1883 sometime this weekend, right? Uh, dropping on uh, Paramount Plus. And we have uh, the NFL uh, playoffs. Holy cow. I mean, do you, really, do you see where the NFL viewership grew 10% from last year during the regular season? And the NFL games accounted for 91 of the top 100 telecasts on TV. That's a pretty strong argument for the NFL. Pretty strong. It'll be interesting to see some of the numbers on the bowl games for college football because I feel like the bowl games really uh, did not do well this year. I don't know why. I just I have that feeling, and I'm going to have to look at those numbers. The big ones, sure. The big ones, sure. But the other ones that are just, you know, the side note bowl games, eh, I feel like those are waning. Uh, you know, those are fun for the teams to do, I guess. But, uh eh. But it's a good argument for the NFL. Anyway, thanks for listening to Chew in the Fat. I appreciate it. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.